Welcome to the podcast, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook, where we will discuss the latest and most relevant business strategies to help you do one thing extremely well, sell more homes. We'll discuss everything from business planning to lead generation and conversion to past client customer service and everything in between. Join us for authentic conversations and nuts and bolts takeaways you can implement into your business today. And now, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is another great day here, and it is another episode of Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook. We might have to start, um, you know, kind of expanding the title here because we're talking about more than selling real estate on this podcast. Um, you know, first, let me let me go ahead and, and welcome you to the show, Kelly, to the show that bears your name. Are you having a fantastic day? We had a little um, football discussion before we went on air here. So we we were getting a little heated, but now we're talking about real estate and that's a that's a happy place, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. These guys right here are driving me crazy, right? I have a jersey on my wall behind me, guys. If you can see me, right? Uh, a Nebraska football jersey. I actually have mine over here on the side, but um, this one here is, uh, you know, some of the, the famous people who played at the program. Because believe it or not, the program is actually one of the top programs in the entire history of college football. Oh, you yeah. wouldn't know it if you were alive last 20 years. But if you were alive more than 20 years, you would be like, oh, Nebraska? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I guess the best way to put it, it's the Alabama of the 90s, right? Maybe mm-hmm. that's the best way to put it. Or the Georgia of the 90s now. Um, but uh, hopefully one day they'll, they'll, they'll be able to say that Nebraska is the Nebraska of the nineties. Right. Um, But we're wasting that. And I got my blood pressure up because I was talking about the game last week and Holy cow guys. um, They found a way to do it again, guys. So let's talk about mindset (laughs) (laughs) because the mindset of the players and the coaches and the fans right now is like, you know what, if anything negative happens in like the last four or five minutes of the game and the score is halfway close, everyone thinks we're going to lose. Like literally everyone, and that happened this past weekend, guys. Mm-hmm. Opening weekend of college football, and this shows you how powerful the mindset is. There is a, there is an adversity. We're up seven points. Where uh, ESPN was giving us a ninety nine point whatever percent chance probability to win at this point, right? Mm-hmm. There's a little literally a graph that AI does yep. on ESPN, and and you can see the, the ticker go up, 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 and like ninety nine percent with like you know four minutes going the game, and then we fumble at midfield with the ball and the lead and make a long story short, end up losing by um, three, 13 to 10 up seven to three Um, in regulation. We did not even make it to overtime. And so the mindset of the players, when that happened, including the fans, including yours truly, Mm -hmm. and probably Elizabeth too, was that, Oh yeah, here we go again. We're probably going to figure out a way to lose this game. And sure enough, guess what? We did. And it's only because everyone collectively was, was really thinking it. You know, mm-hmm. and so that shows how powerful the mindset is. And this podcast isn't even about mindset. It's about it something isn't, totally but, but I, I my knew mindset it. is going to be zen from here on out. I'm going to stop thinking about football. The, the negative thoughts, they'll eat you alive. Like yeah. they came and came. I, I brought that up because I knew you'd be able to turn that in. Like I was like, well, we could take this game that we're talking about, getting fired up about. And I think there's probably some lessons there that carry over, right? To business and, and success and mindset. Like you said, if you kind of have this, um, this doom and gloom thought because something happens, you make a mistake. Yep. It happens. Um, we all make mistakes. You, you, you get back up and you, you keep that positive mindset. It was just a mistake. I'm leaving that in the past and I'm going to keep going forward where we know in a lot of cases, sports, whatever your business, 
um, you make a mistake and then that, that kind of just carries, right? And then you make another one, then you make another one, then you make another one. So um, this right. podcast, this episode isn't about mindset, but just a really good reminder for all of you. Uh, if you make a mistake, get back up, try again. You can do it. You can finish it out. The yeah, this is old saying can. in sports, right? It's like have a short memory, right? Yeah. Um, well, in business, it's very much applicable. Have a short memory because you're going to have some meetings, some appointments that don't go the way you want, some days that don't go the way you want. Yet, does that define the rest of your week or your day or even your month? It could if you choose to let it. Mm-hmm. And so um, you should not. You should have that. that, that you should, you need a coach. You need an accountability partner. You need somebody to help you bounce things off of and make, not just ideas, but just thoughts and feelings and someone to tell you to get back on the horse, stay on the path, be consistent, right? So hopefully that's what Nebraska is going to do this week, right? right. And the coaches are dealing with that mindset issue because it's something that is kind of a, a scary, it's dark a, place to be in real, that they have yeah. to turn around and it's real. You can mm-hmm. see it by the results of the games for the past season or two leading into this season as well. Same thing, the mm-hmm. spillover effect. So, yes, um, it's crazy how that happened. But let's move on. Let's move on. Yes, because we <laughs> decided that we were – Yeah, we're, my mindset. we're talking positivity. We're talking real estate because uh, you, you're all here because you love it, right? So today we're actually – kind of where I was, I was starting with this um, with my opener here – podcast is called Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook, but we have talked about other things um, all in the real estate realm, but not just selling. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we really focused on the buyer side um, uh, and how to make a great experience for buyers. We've talked about investing quite a bit on this podcast, right? So kind of all things real estate related. And today we're going to jump into um, another branch, I, I suppose, of your real estate business or what could potentially be a branch of your real estate business. And that is property management. Kelly has kind of started dabbling in this world a little bit. So um, we thought thought it'd be a really good idea to kind of talk about that, what he's learned so far, um, some of the advantages, disadvantages, and, and all of that. So Kelly, let's get into it. Property management. Yeah, absolutely. So that's like, we may have lost all of our listeners except for our two or three, right? When we say the word property and then the next word management, right? Yeah. Because it's... Uh, yeah, it's one of those things that's like, oh, I don't want to do that. People think of Probably not as, toilets. not as sexy, not as sexy no. as uh, selling, right? <laughs> not as sexy at all. However, I've been selling real estate for 18 years and never really had a way to um, capitalize on directly on property management, but indirectly, absolutely. And that's what I want to talk about both of those things here today, the indirect aspect of property management and the direct aspect of property management. So number one, it depends, does your broker allow property management or not? Because there's a lot a lot more in most states and different liability that comes along with running property management as opposed to real estate sales. Um, typically, you have to have a different E&O insurance, liability insurance, all that stuff as well, plus a broker trust account. And just depends on what your state law regulates when it comes to that. But it's different. So a lot of brokers won't allow agents who sell real estate to do property management as well. Some will. So it just depends on where you're at. So that's the first question to ask. The second question to ask is, is it going to be a main part of my business? Because if it's not, um, then you shouldn't cho- choose your brokerage choice on whether or not they allow property management, right? Because there are plenty of good property managers out there that you can find a relationship with and cultivate that and therefore give referrals, be an extension of your team. And of course, they're going to make their money on what they do for property management. 
but you can have an arrangement in which that property manager gives you the uh, the heads up and and the notice when the client you referred over years ago decides they want to sell or buy, and they will give that notice to you, and therefore you can call your client up, and hopefully you have been in touch with them anyways, and therefore you can help them when it comes to buying or selling their next property. So that is a big aspect because that's a whole another another leg of your business. And having a good property manager relationship or referral will allow you to um, keep that fire alive, if you will, for the whole entire time after they purchase that property from you to hopefully use you again when it comes to buying or selling, right. if you did a good job, of course. Now, that's how you indirectly benefit from the property management. And it's really hands-off. And, and if you have a good one, they're an extension of your team. They make you look good from that standpoint, if they're an investor or whatever. And then uh, you get that client back and you continue to build more and more clients in your database and, and clientele list up and up and up. The other way is to directly do it. So if you have a broker that allows it, you can right there, it's, it should have some systems already set up for you. And you can just simply tap into that and do property management. However, can I please warn you against that? Please. Because I tried that. I was, when I first started real estate, I, we had a broker that did allow both. And so, oh, I'll just go ahead and do that. Well, when you do that, you also realize that you take your eye off the North Star, right? You take your eye off yeah. that what you're truly trying to accomplish and be really, really good at. Because I'm, I'm all about specialty. I'm all about being ninja and being good at one thing really, really well. Be a master of that 10,000 hours of that nature. Well, and you start doing other things, you start spreading yourself thin. You don't even realize it necessarily because it's something cool. It's a shiny object, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So you be careful on that because property management can suck the life out of you literally <laughs> because it's very little pay. Mm -hmm. And if you, but yet you can get a problem property, maybe not even problem tenant, but maybe a problem tenant too. And you're dealing with all these things and the recurring revenue, the pay for that management is the same matter if there's 16 problems or one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you got to be careful. And especially when you're used to in the real estate world, uh, as a real estate agent, you're used to working off commission. So it's like, it's almost the harder you work, not always, you know, but it's, it, there is that, um, that, uh, you know, com that yeah. comparison there. Yeah. Where it's you, the harder you work, likely the more you're going to get paid. Right. Where as with uh, property management, that is not necessarily the case. No, <laughs> it's hard to untrain your mind from that. Right. Or kind of get used to that. If it's a different, um, if you've been living off commission, like as a real estate agent. Yeah. Cause you're used to the, the front end, especially if you're with a brokerage or a team that specializes as well, you're probably working on just the part you should be, which is sales and client servicing and that kind of stuff. Well, the operational aspect of property management is far different from that, but yet you don't consider that when you jump in and say, yeah, I can help out with it with your client investor that wants to manage their property. And then they don't get very good service on the property management side because you don't give it, not because you're not trying not to, you just, it's just not what you do naturally. You're focusing on your true north, hopefully, and everything else is kind of a, a distraction. So it just ends up being kind of a lose-lose after all, as opposed right. to win-win. Now, the third thing, is when you get to the point where um, you're still working on your true north, your north star, real estate sales, helping clients buy, sell, and invest in property and acquisition disposition, right? That's what we all should be focusing on when we're in real estate sales. However, if you're to a point where you have a partner, someone, another individual who maybe likes the management side of things, then maybe you and her or you and him or whatever decide to come to an agreement 
a partnership of some sort, that person will do the property management. And what you can do if your brokerage does not allow property management is maybe that person, they have to be licensed in, I think, all 50 states, definitely in Arizona. They uh, they will go out and they will um, maybe start their own company as a designated broker. Or maybe they will just tap into another brokerage that allows property management and they'll use their systems, their processes already in place for some sort of fee. And you tap into that and you can white label your company on top of that system. So there's all kinds of different ways when it comes to this. But if you do that, I would still recommend to make sure you have a partner who's going to be doing that full time. So the client has the best experience possible and you aren't worrying about the operational details of management because it can be sticky. I, it just depends on the, the, the fee structure, Elizabeth. But I tell you what, there is quite a few doors or properties you need to have under management before it becomes this, this awesome thing. And it just depends, but let's call it 30. It's going to be around 30, maybe 40, maybe 20. depends on the price points and things of that nature. But let's just call it 30. So until you get to 30 clients, right, 30 different properties, um, it can be challenging because the payout for all the work that you do, because there's a lot that goes into it from the back-end accounting to the broker trust account to fixing the toilet, the vendor or contractor relationships, who answers the phone at 10 p.m. on a Tuesday when something happens. All these things, right, that you're coordinating and working on. It's a lot of work. And so, but there does become a point where you have economies of scale at some point of property management um, that, you know, it, it does become worth it because that extra client or house or door that you added doesn't add that much more workflow to you because you have systems in place and the operational processes to make it work. So it does become a really cool business to have to work within or own at some point. But I tell you what, the Marines, I think they call it the suck, right? Where you have to go through the, the yeah. really bad part to get to the good part. Mm -hmm. That's the suck zero to like 30 ish, you know, doors is called that, right? Depending on your price point, your area of town or area of the country. So I would just recommend for somebody that either A, if you're deciding to be in real estate sales, to just get a great referral relationship. Our company here um, is called Mission PMAZ, uh, all right? Mission Property Management and missionpmaz.com is the website if you want to check it out. But uh, my partner does a great job with it and, and it's a growing company. And she, she has years of property management background experience, not just real estate sales, right? Years, because she works on the big, you know, the big property managers uh, accounts um, prior to coming into kind of residential side. So it's really cool to have that because now you can start growing that organically and, and that's what she does, right? So I, I, I have a, um, a, the ability to then consult and and do my thing, right? When she has questions to ask and so on and so forth. But I tell you what, if I was trying to do that and real sell real oh, estate, gosh. that would be very tough. Yeah. So very like tough. getting it off the it. ground. Yeah. Like that's kind of the, like you said, that's, you have to get to a certain number of doors, getting that off the ground. I can't imagine, I mean, just starting from, this, that's your only job. Like that's still going to be hard. And when you also are doing something else full time, you know, in real estate, like that's, that's a lot of energy that has to be placed over there. Um, which like you said, especially early on, not a lot of payout on that. Right. Yeah. Um, so Kelly, if somebody were to, you know, is wanting to get into this, they already had, like, they've already had the great relationships with property management companies. And now they kind of want to get into it themselves. Um, you're saying probably not the not go on the broker side, on the brokerage side. Is that 
kind of that was your your uh, your advice there, right? To partner with somebody else and let them kind of handle that. So um, with that advice, how do you kind of suggest to somebody that they get that started? Like find a partner, like what are kind of the first steps to take into getting that off the ground, finding somebody then like what, what happens from there? What kind of um, uh, staff do you need? Like what are the next few steps if you want to kind of get that started? Yeah, definitely. Good question. So obviously the who is always the biggest uh, hurdle to get over, right? For any business you're starting, I don't care what you're selling or what you're doing. Um, and for me, it was organic. Uh, there was a, a um, individual I met, like my partner, and and she was um, looking for something like this. She had plenty, much a lot of experience, I should say, with property management prior to, and so it just made sense organically have that conversation. And it took a while, right, to finally get to the point where okay, let's let's go ahead and do this and start a. Um, a working relationship, right? With understanding of what's responsible, who's responsible for what and what we're expecting right. from each other, right? Mm-hmm. Very, very important. And you got to get the trust there. Yeah. Absolutely. Then of course you want to do all the legal stuff. You want to talk to an attorney. You want to get an operating agreement. You want to get the bank account set up, the entity, the legal entity, you're going to have it in and all that fun stuff, right? That's behind the scenes. But then you start growing it really like, like, like anything else. You have basically two choices. You can buy it or build it. So you can buy it, I meaning you can just throw a bunch of money at it and and hope that because of that, you have all these leads coming in and you know maybe you white label some processes, I don't know, whatever, right? Or you build it and that's gonna take longer, but there's probably less risk with it, a lot less financial risk because you're organically growing it as much as possible. Even though you are spending money, right? You're running a business, of course, you're gonna spend money, um, but you're not just throwing the kitchen sink at it and hoping it all works out. So I, that's the process we're going through. We're building it. We're choosing to do that. So it's gonna take a while. There's gonna be some growing pains. There's gonna be some some suck along the way. Trust me, it's already it's already happened a couple of times. But there's also a lot of different small wins along the way too. So um, you want to find that person now. If you don't have that person now, I would recommend to possibly look at people who are already property managers but don't own their own business, because there's a good chance that someone there has some drive and ambition and would love to, they just don't know where to start. And the current place they're working at isn't about to help them because they want them to stay just down yeah. here. Right. And not get too big for the britches. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a big thing right there. Yeah. <laughs> too, too big for According the According to my grandpa. You know, yeah. he was, <laughs> right? And so, yeah. you know, once you get too big for your britches, then like, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to go somewhere else. So they don't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to find that person that is looking for that. And they're out there. I promise they're out there and they have the operational experience because they're already working in the business. That's where I would start. If you want to like force this to happen, right? You want to go find that person. And then of course there's the financial aspect of it. Who's going to pay for what, um, what's the split of the company going to be is going to be owned all by one person. And that person's going to like, you know, earn equity over time, or maybe they come in right in with equity because they have all this experience, whatever it may be, or maybe there's an equal financial contribution. So there's all these different options you can do, but I will say this, that property management is a great way to insulate your business. Mm-hmm. because of all the past clients that you probably sold properties to that ended up renting right away, or they maybe lived in the house and said, you know what, five years later, I want to be a landlord. And they just mm-hmm. moved out or whatever. And they just kept that house and rented it. So if you lost, lost touch with them, it's a great way to just um, be able to stay in touch with them. because It's like an insurance agent, right? Mm-hmm. Every month you're paying your insurance bill. So technically as an insurance agent, if you want to call them to check and say, how are you doing? That wouldn't be that weird. Because mm-hmm. they're paying you, they're paying you, right? Yep. For their insurance. So property management gives that excuse to do that, which is mm-hmm. awesome. And it insulates your business too. When the sales are slower, like they are right now, or getting slower across the country, 
having some sort of reoccurring like revenue yeah. that paying, yeah, every month mm-hmm. because you're doing some sort of job or work for them on their investment property. Mm-hmm. It just helps insulate your business overall. But again, just don't go running into it when you're not, when you don't have your database and your business already solidified on the real estate sell side, because mm-hmm. that's, that's the shiny object I saw when I was young in the business, because un- unfortunately for me, my broker did allow it. And I say, unfortunately, because if they wouldn't have, I wouldn't have a choice. I would have just had to only sell. But when I got these people that were like, hey, can you help me rent my property? I'm from Canada. Because back then the dollar was like, you know, even par. So a lot of these Canadians were buying down in in Phoenix and Scottsdale. And I was like, sure. Because I was brand new. I needed something to do. I needed to make some money somehow. When really I could have built my business faster if I'd had some advice to just stay in my lane. Right. Mm Until I got to the point where it was built, then I can go out and try to maybe recreate that business like we're doing right now. Yeah. And kind of just to, to not to harp on things that we've talked about a ton previously, but I will say that that all comes back to, you talked about how it's a great way to stay, to, you know, call, stay in touch with some clients when you're, when you're doing property management for them, when you are starting to build your business, it's likely that you have worked with investors before that you have helped buy, sell. Maybe they're with a property, I mean, property management company now on a lot of the homes that you helped, uh, you know, you help those deals get put together. If you've been staying in contact with those people, um, if you built a great relationship, those are the first people I would go to. I mean, kind of, you know, but if they're probably going to buy more properties and all that stuff, and you've already built a great relationship with them, those relationships are so important that it's any next business venture you have, you kind of already have this you know, sphere of influence of people yep. who, who need your service. So again, not to harp, but it's always important to stay in touch with all of your clients. And here's just another reason as to why, um, because you've kind of got some people lined up that already trust you that um, could, you know, be some of your first clients when you're starting that up. No doubt about it. Well said, Elizabeth. Again, it, it, there's a point in time for everything, but I'm a big believer on just, on just taking small unsexy steps if that's mm-hmm. a word right right yep. like like you know boring um there's this great quote in our office on the wall that says you have to make peace with the repetitious boredom until you can attach it to the outcome of success mm-hmm. the boring daily repetitious stuff is what people that are very successful today that you see walking around did years ago for a period of time yeah. And so if you choose to do that, whether it's property management or real estate sales, you ultimately will be successful. But when you try to do two of those things or three of those things, it makes it really hard because even if you want to work 60, 70 hours a week, you're still only 60 or 70 hours a week, right? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess you work 90, but then that's, you only do that for so often before you'll just, you know, you'll, you'll kill tired of that real quick, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. It's, you're still human at some point, mm-hmm. right? So right. again, I just... I, Check us out if you want to go see what we did at that website at Mission Property. Or, I'm sorry, missionpm.az.com. Holy cow, missionpmaz.com. There you go. And uh, you can see what we have going on. But again, we're just organically building it. And it's a great way to, like I said, there's a lot of positives that can come from it. Great way to stay in touch with clients, re- recession-proof your business, uh, insulate it, all those fun things. Mm-hmm. But again, you have to have the right who, the right person. And then you have to have the desire and willing to do it without taking away from your distractions or as a distraction, taking away from your business of real estate sales and helping your clients that, Mm -hmm. you know, are buying and selling that you're trying to do the best service for right now anyway. So. Absolutely. And if anybody has any questions for Kelly about 
um, you know, starting their own company, um, or if you, uh, you know, are not ready to do that yet, you are still focusing on the sales side and you just want a really good property management company to uh, go to that you can trust on taking care of, um, you know, your clients if, if you need somebody to partner with. Um, Kelly, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely, guys. Uh, 480-227-2028 or check us out at Instagram at Kelly Cook Homes. Wonderful. And then uh, earlier when I was saying all the other things that we've covered on this podcast, um, you know, other than just selling, I said buying, I said investment. Now we got property management. We have also talked quite a bit about recruiting, uh, recruiting to your real estate uh, team or building a team. Um, so if you want more information on that, go to buildyourrealestateteam.com. And uh, we've got kind of some modules, some step-by-step -step on how to do it. We'll have to add another one for property management at some point. Got to get that up there too. <laughs> um, but yeah, go over to buildyourrealestateteam.com. And other than that, we will see you guys all uh, next week. Bye, Kelly. Absolutely. Hopefully, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll talk about great mindset and positive, uh, you know, positive mindset um, after a Husker win. So after we'll see. Through Deion Sanders <laughs> and the Colorado Buffaloes. Yes. That's right. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and then how that will change the rest of the season because the mindset is there, right? No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> All right. See you, Kelly. <laughs> see you, Elizabeth. Welcome to the podcast, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook, where we will discuss the latest and most relevant business strategies to help you do one thing extremely well, sell more homes. We'll discuss everything from business planning to lead generation and conversion to past client customer service and everything in between. Join us for authentic conversations and nuts and bolts takeaways you can implement into your business today. And now, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook.